Our scripture today comes from John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If you have your Bibles, please open them to uh, John chapter 10. It's a text that Josh shared with us just a few moments ago, John chapter 10. I'm going to kick things off this morning with a question. Are you living, church? Well, I wouldn't know how to respond either. I didn't ask you to give me a verbal response or raise your hand. Maybe you're just thinking, well, he meant that rhetorically. He's just trying to get us to, to think, and you'd be right. Because really, I'm not looking for an actual verbal response or a physical response. I really am asking you to think about this question. Are you living? You may be thinking, well, compared to the snail that I stepped on on the way into the church building, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm living. Uh, compared to the people sitting around me, not as much. Compared to what they wear, compared to what they drive, compared to what I, I think their lives are like, no, probably not as much. Now, compared to the list I have in my mind of the things that, that would mean living, the places I want to go, the money I want to make, the mate that I'd like to be married to. No. I'm probably not living very much. I have a list like that too. It's changed over the years. And I was reminded this week of one that was on one of the earlier lists of my life when I was in Ruidoso preaching and I was a, a, just a young preacher. I'd been at Gateway about two years I'd received a letter from Jerry Rushford at Pepperdine University asking if I would come and speak at the Pepperdine Lectureship. It had been one of my um, life list top five to get to speak at a major brotherhood lectureship somewhere. Ever since that I had been going to Tulsa so many workshops, we started preaching down in Catula, Texas, and that was our annual trek to, to Mecca. Oh, to hear... Rick Ashley preaching, Mike Cope, and Jeff Walling, they hear acapella sing. That was, that was the first when they were just now coming on the scene. And man, could they not only perform great songs, but man, they could lead worship. And they're in that convention center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and thousands of people singing. It was heaven on earth. And I thought, wow, to get a chance to speak to a group of folks with all that preparing their hearts to hear the Word of God, that would be, I'd just be living. <laughs> well, I got the call from Jerry Rushford. But it wasn't to keynote one of the lectures. Um, it was to speak while one of those lectures was going on in one of the classrooms at Pepperdine University. So that kind of let the air out of the, air out of the old balloon for a moment, and I um, was still honored, especially when the... Um, the alumni packet came and it had all the pictures of the speakers. And there was Jimmy Sportsman's picture. And there was his title for his class, Getting Started in Miracles 101. That's a grabber, isn't it? And it grabbed them, all 12 of them who came to my class. Four of them were friends that came with me on the trip. One of them was my wife who I had to say, you are my wife. You will be in my class. Forget Jeff Wally. It went well. 
as well as, as I could have delivered a message then, and people said some nice things about it, but i got to tell you, I was as thrilled that it was over as being asked to do it. And we were headed to a breakfast there on the Pepperdine campus, the, the, uh, the, what do you call it, the cafeteria, looks out over the Pacific Ocean. So it is a phenomenal place to eat any meal while you're there on campus. And I was starving because I couldn't eat that morning getting ready for class. And so we headed over there, four or five of us from the class. And some of my uh, friends met us there. There's about seven, eight of us. And I, um, I was so hungry. I hate to say this, but I mean, I had the, the waffles. I had the eggs. I had the muffins. I think I had probably the fruit, everything that they offered on the line on my tray. And I was carrying it to the table and set it down. And I didn't have enough room for my coffee and orange juice, so I went to go get some. Met a, fr- a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in, in years. And so we got to visiting a little bit, so it was, I was delayed in getting back. And as I got back, and here's where we're going, as I get back, I come back to nothing. There's a little bit of a muffin and some egg yolk left in the center of a plate. And without even looking up, I said, you tick-infested sorry dogs. And I was looking at six people I had never met in my life. I said, good morning, I'm Greg Cummings. They say, well, in person, you look like you have more hair. No, didn't say that part. I made up some name like James Houston or Don Barnett. I don't remember what it was. But, but I said some name, and we all laughed, and I was all embarrassed. And I turned around to my table where I was supposed to have been to five or six loving, caring people who were just obliterated with laughter. It was um, quite the experience. Not exactly what I had pictured for one of my top five life list items, all right? And I doubt if that's probably on yours, unless you're visiting and you're a preacher or whatever. But you've got one. You've got a list of things that you think that if I could have, if I could do, if I could go, man, then I'd be living. I'd have life to the max. But some of you, like me, have gotten a hold of some of those things. And it wasn't life to the max. It was life to the minimum. And in some cases, like mine, life to the miserable. All of that may be true, but can I remind you of something this morning? Because I think we need to be reminded, especially in these times that, that we're in as a church. Let me remind you. God wants you to live. And I don't mean just exist. I mean life to the full. Now, don't just take my word. Listen to God's word again. Some of us were getting busy helping kids a while ago get ready. And I'm going to extend the context a little bit more. But here's John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, Jesus says again, very truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
But I have come that they may have, say it church, life. And life to the, not just to the minimum, not just existing, but life to the city again, full. Father in heaven, we have trouble believing that. We do. Maybe in heaven, maybe when we get there, and this thief is completely removed and thrown into the abyss, and we can be in your presence, in your presence alone, maybe then we, we just come honestly saying in prayer, we have a hard time believing that here we get life to the full. Is that just some kind of spiritual colloquialism? Some, some kind of Greek word that really doesn't mean life to the full, or does it mean life to the full? And so we're asking this morning, would you help us through the power of your spirit to hear your word? Not necessarily our cynicism, not necessarily our disgust, not necessarily our doubt, but your word. We realize we're not the only ones in need of, of a word about life this morning. Please be with the Foursquare Gospel Church here in Kerrville that meets the disciples that meet there, I know that they're in need of some life too, God. They're in need of, of your word of truth that helps them to believe that it's even possible. So please, be in their services, but also be in ours. Be in all of the disciple services this morning who are meeting here in our community. Please help us continue to work towards being one, that the world might truly believe that you sent your son. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen. Jesus says... I've come not to just give you life to the minimum, but life to the maximum is what the Greek word actually there. Supersizing life, mega life, unbelievable life is what that Greek word actually means. Now, I've highlighted the words on the screen and I've left them up there because those words are part of what the elders believe are essential to us living out our mission in this world for Jesus. If you want to know what we're about on this hill, here's what we've come up with. Leading ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. That's our mission. And the steps to making that possible are loving God, loving neighbor. And we've looked at those two. And especially, I want to remind you of the lesson that Ricky spent sharing his heart last week. That whether you're red, yellow, black, or white in that neighbor category... We're going to do our best to love you. But how we draw people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, how we lead ordinary, everyday people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus is by loving God, loving neighbor. And we're going to get to this last one today to wrap this series on the mission statement and mission steps. Living life to the full. I know you've been wondering, what, how is that one on there? Is that some new age thing? That we're, is this some new contemporary thing? No, it's very, very old when it comes to Jesus' intention for his church and for his people. And that is to live life to the full. Live life to the maximum. To live life super side. Live life on steroids. However you want to describe that. And I doubt anybody here is allergic to that. <laughs> I doubt anybody here is... Um, Nah, I just think I'll pass on some life. I just soon live uh, disgusted, cynical, and angry. Nah. Some bow on some days, but not really all the time. No, we want to live. 
I think I could say that across the board for everyone, regardless of your age, regardless of your economic status, regardless of your last name, regardless of your skin color, you want to live. And I think we need to be reminded God wants you to live. He wants you to live in a huge way. Some may be thinking, I don't think so. At least not for me. So let me ask the question again. Are you living? And I really am not asking you for a response, but I really want you to think, are you living? How are you doing in that department? When when people think of people in this world that are alive, I mean living it to the full, do they think of Christians? Now, let's make it more specific. Do they think of the Kerrville Church of Christ? Now, let's even be more specific. Do they think of Victor Cummings? Do they think of Sam? Do they think of Doris? Do they think of Carol? Do they think of Tim? When they think, I'm telling you, of people who are living it up, that's who they think of. Another question. If not, why? Why? Is it because this it really isn't possible that this just, again, it's just some uh, verse pulled out of context? No. David would have a problem with that. Because David wrote in Psalms chapter 34, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I'm telling you, blessed is he. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, you keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. You turn from evil and you do good. You seek peace and pursue it. And nobody's against the life he's talking about here. Nobody's, I think, going to say, nah, he's really not meaning like really good days or, or really a great life. No, he means that. You come and taste God and you will see great days and a great life. I don't know. <laughs> That's because loving, loving you is unconditional. But living that is very conditional. He's saying, here's what, how I want you to live. Here's what my dream is for you to live. But, but you notice there's some things he needs for you to do. It matters what you say. You keep your tongue from evil. It matters what your lips speak. So you keep your tongue from telling lies. And then it matters what you do. You turn from evil and you do good. And then thirdly, he says, it matters who you pursue, what you pursue. You seek peace and you pursue it. God could never love you more no matter what you do with with that scripture or not. God could never love you less regardless of how much you just go, ah, bah, humbug. But if you want his life in this world, it's totally conditional, completely conditional. And he's always wanted his kids to have as many good days as possible and live their life to the full. As a matter of fact, we found out as we studied through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way to Revelation, after we get past that Old Testament, that really we have a better shot at this life thing than the Jews did. They only had their own strength to be able to live this life. But the New Testament tells us we have God literally moving inside us to help us do it. Let me remind you of some scriptures. Oh, I forgot this. David says it over in Psalms chapter 34 And if some of you are thinking, well, maybe this is one of those testamental things. The Jews got to have life, but really, you know, that's not something that that we do now that we we have a cross. 
Now that we, 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 we seek to serve, not be served, that really that kind of that life thing's passed us by. That was Old Testament. Well, no, Peter quotes the exact same verse in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Maybe it's good that I read it again. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from telling lies, turn from evil and do good, and seek peace and pursue it. Carry over, not just Old Testament, also New Testament. And, and for us, we're left with no excuse really because not only have we been shown what we should do, but we've been empowered to do it. Now, these scriptures. The Spirit gives life. I wanted to have that highlighted in white, and I forgot to do that. The Spirit gives what? And He's in who? You. The Spirit gives life. He's in who? You. The flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and of life. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Ah, but the mind governed by the Spirit is what? Life. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give what? life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the New Testament. One of the most shocking scriptures in all the New Testament that I serve a God now through Jesus Christ that doesn't just ask me to do things, but he comes inside me and helps me do them. Yay, God. That's what we teach and that's what we preach. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, we say when someone decides that, that they believe that what Jesus did at that cross Enables me to be saved, not what I do with my life, my good deeds, my good works, but what he did here enables me to be saved. I accept your gift, Jesus, of what you accomplished here, not what I accomplished with my good and bad behaviors. We've been through that at the very beginning of this series. And when we say, I trust that, we bring you right over here and say, if you really trust that, are you ready to make him Lord of your life? We go, yes, I am. And we bury you right there helping you experience the only death you'll ever need to experience, and we bring you up, raised to walk in a newness of life. Because now he doesn't just give you the list of rules to do. He moves inside and says, let me help you with that. Yay, God. And there's a world out there who needs to know that they can get in on that deal. But do we have any life in us? Is there any life, not just in us general, but in you? When people think of, of, man, if I need anybody on my team, I want so-and-so because they have life in them. If I have anybody in my employment, I want so-and-so because they have life in them. If, if, I, if I know anybody who loves their home, their kids, their, their mate, their whatever, I think of a member of the Kerrville Church of Christ. They think of you. And if they don't, can I just ask you in love, why not? Is it because God doesn't want to give it, or is it because you don't want to receive it? I can know how I answer that question. Too many days of my existing in this world, not living, existing in this world because I have decided to live for me, my way, rather than for him, his way. I'm just going to be honest. What about you? Letting him lead you in what you say, letting him lead you in what you do, letting him lead you in what you pursue, has kind of lost its appeal. I'm not mincing words here. I think it's kind of lost its appeal. Because what's kind of um, 
when, it talks about, when we talk about life now, what's kind of popular these days is bucket lists. Now, you know what a bucket list is, don't you? Ah, uh, I don't want to go there. Oh, I'll go there. Bucket lists are big because really what we believe in this world is getting is living. And so we make a list. We make a list of things that we think that if I get this and I get this and I get this, then I will be alive. I will be like life on steroids. I will Life to the max. And what made this popular, here's where I was trying to go, is this movie. How many, raise your hands now if you've seen the movie Bucket List. All right. We've got it in, on our show. We don't have a whole lot of movies in our house, but we have the bucket list on our house. Do you see what's right there in the middle of it? Find the joy. This is what most of America believes now. It's kind of popular. Is that you get you a bucket list and you, you list the things that you want to get, that you want to do, and then you start doing your best to experience them. Because we believe that getting is living. And I love the movie because... I love the characters. I love Jack Nicholson. I love Morgan Freeman. And when they put him in a movie, I said, I just got to see that. And when we did, oh, what a movie. It's about two old codgers who find out that they have cancer. And they're put in a hospital. And what's, what's funny about this is, is, is Jack Nicholson plays the hospital owner. And he's worth millions, all right? And he's put in a room. And, and what's funny is, is he's, he's, he's so tight when he's actually owning these hospitals and operating them. He doesn't want anybody to have their private room. And so he's demanding a private room. And they said, no, you can't have one. It's hospital policy. <laughs> and so Morgan Freeman, he gets put in Morgan Freeman's room. And it's just another guy who's got cancer. And he's all upset about that. But they become friends. And they go through the horrendous, awful processes that you have to do and go through whenever you're taking chemo and dealing with that and, and listening in, to family and friends as they deal with it with you. And it's just, it's not good. And then one day, Morgan Freeman finds out his cancer's terminal. And it's just a few hours after finding out that Jack Nicholson's in remission. And Morgan Freeman has put together this bucket list of things that he wanted to to have and get done, but he had crumbled it up when he found out that his cancer was back and it wasn't going away, and he threw it on the floor. Nicholson finds it. Nicholson has his millions, <laughs> No Morgan Freeman, he could answer a million questions on Jeopardy. He could make millions if he'd ever get on the show. And Jack says, tell you what we'll do. Let's take that list and let's get at it. What do you say? And at first, Morgan's hesitant. Yeah, no, I just, it wouldn't be right. I, no, I can't take your money. He says, look, I've got all the money in the world. Let's go get it. And they do. And I love what they do. Race cars. Eat great food. Go to great places. I mean, they are living life to the max. But both of them realize it's not what they thought it was going to be. And all of a sudden they realize what's really on their bucket list, even though it's not on the paper, is family. And reconnecting and reconciling with family. That really life is about giving. That's living. Giving is living, not getting is living. And Hollywood gets this right, that's why we own the movie. 
That giving is living, not getting is living. They set you up with a bucket list and your list and all the stuff. Yeah, if I could, if I could race those cars and yeah, if I could go see the Himalayas and, and, and yeah, if I, could, if I could have a date with her and, and yeah, all this stuff that you think, if I could get that, man, that would be living. And then they, they bring you in and the trap falls and, and truth hits us. No. Giving is living. Giving is living. And all God's really trying to say through Jesus in his life is this. Watch and see what I mean. How you make choices, what you say, what you pursue, and how that gives to other people's lives is what really matters. David writes Peter. Peter writes David. Not in person, but in their, in their own ways. Ah, this is what life is about. No, this is what life is about. And Jesus says, let me show you what it's all about. And he walks into this world, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives. Second Philippians chapter 2 says, he did not count equality with God as something to be held on to, but he, but he emptied himself. He poured himself out, taking the form of a servant, and he gave, and he gave, even to the point of dying on a cross. One of those. And how does God treat that? He raises him to be the name above all names because giving is living. And he wants us to understand that's true of even me. Giving is living. And I know some of you are thinking, well, Jimmy, what about loving? <laughs> I thought kind of loving would be living. Well, when it comes to Scripture, they're really one and the same. Let me go here. Probably one of the most quoted passages of Scripture, whether you're a Christian or not, you've seen it around the world, is God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved that he gave. Loving and living, the same thing is what it means to get life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not come to an end, but would live for how long? It's a life that's not going to stop. And God says, come on, get you some. Get you some. Don't put your trust in, in what you think you're doing well and, and thinking falsely that it outweighs your not doing so well. Put your trust in my son. Put your trust in this cross. Believe it. Trust it. Because God gave him. And whoever believes in him is not going to perish. His life's not going to come to an end. It'll be forever. I'm just 55 years old. <laughs> 60 sounding younger and younger every day. It didn't sound so young about 10 years ago. But I'm 55 years old and I'm finally getting it. Giving is living. That's the mission. And I'm sorry, guys. I'm just not doing this very well. That's the mission. If I could sum it up all in one little phrase, giving is living. How are we going to help ordinary people into a relationship with an extraordinary Christ? Really, we're going to give. We're going to give our love to God. We're going to give our love to a neighbor. And we're going to give ourselves away every chance we get in any little moment, any big moment. Because giving is living. And God said, I want to give you life to the full. And we go, I want in on that. I used to think that getting the trophy bull, marrying the trophy wife, trip to the master's, 
riding in a convertible of my own, cabin with a view, country club membership, I thought if I could just get those, man, I'd be living. Well, I got those. Got the trophy bull, got the trophy wife, had the country club membership, drove the convertible, cabin with a view, went to the master's. But the older that I become, I really am beginning to believe Jesus was right. It's better to give than to receive. And it's taken a while. I'm kind of, kind of thick. I saw it on vacation. I had a good time winning a two-day golf tournament. I got to participate in with my buddies. Took all of their money. It was so fun. That was good. But you know what was great? Is giving up one of those golf days. And taking my wife to the lodge at Cloudcroft and having dinner, spontaneously staying the night there and having breakfast the next day. That was great. Had a good time eating breakfast at the log cabin. They have the best blueberry pancakes in the West, I'm telling you the truth. But you know what was great? Buying breakfast for a family who decided that it was important to thank God for their food before they dove in and ate their food. I had a good time when a friend of us bought us dinner while we were on vacation. But I got to tell you, I had a great time when I bought my kids dinner on vacation and saw the smiles and, and received the hugs of just being able to give what I had been so graciously given by my incredible God. Oh, no, Jesus is right. Giving is living. And that's what your elders have called us to be about as a church, to just give our lives away. He doesn't just offer what I've just listed today to those of us who preach for a living. He's offered it to every priest who's invited him into his heart to do some real living. And that's every single one of you in this room, every single one of you. And here's one of the things that I, I, I don't want to leave without saying this. When he blesses you, Throw it up in the air. Roll in it. Do the big dance in it. Enjoy it. Smile. Laugh. Because there's nothing better than seeing your kids enjoy the gifts that you've given them. You parents say amen. Oh, I love seeing my kids. I love spoiling my kids. I love seeing the laughter and the joy in them. It's a gift to give. And God feels exactly the same way when he's given you something. So enjoy the steak, all right? Guys, when you make the birdie, high five and go, yeah. Chocolate tonight? Woo, baby, let's have some. Enjoy all the gifts that he's given you. That wife, oh, give her that 10-second kiss for marital bliss, baby. Enjoy it. Enjoy that granddaughter, that grandson, you lucky dogs. I can't wait. Enjoy every ounce of getting to get out of bed today. Some people didn't make it. Did you know that? You got out of bed today. You're breathing today. You're sitting here today listening to an awesome sermon. Live it. Embrace it. Enjoy it. He wants you to. And pray that the preacher shuts up soon, all right? We're almost to the end. Come on, church. He's given it to us. He's dad. He loves us and so enjoy it. But then don't stop there. Share it. Share it. 
Isaiah chapter 58 says, What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then you will pray, God, then you will pray, pause, and then God will answer. You call out for help and I will say, here I am. Here I am. I love that we have elders who don't just demand that we follow them, but led today by saying, we need to do some calling. We need to do some calling out. We need to do some praying in the powerful name of Jesus Christ because we're tired. We're tired of it, of taking it on the chin from this evil one who is a thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we're saying as a church, enough. Do you know who, whose prayers he will hear? Those who understand that given's living. He can trust himself to a church like that. And so I'm asking you will, you, will you go on mission with this leadership? Here's where we would cue the, the tape. That's the beat Nick Bondo, Bongos, okay? And then the bass would start, bump. Bum, 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 bum. There we go, the little airy flute. <laughs> Got to have the airy flute. I was going to get there, but I had to get the slide up there. This is a mission that's possible. It's a mission that's possible. But here's the question for us, is it acceptable? Man, I'm praying with all my heart that it is because I, I want to spend the rest of my days Living with the church. Living with the church. Can I say it again? Living with the church. Who receives his blessing and enjoys them greatly and then shares them greatly with the world. Now that's a mission I can get excited about. And I think if we get busy with it, it's going to lead some ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. And the church said, Father in heaven, we love you. And we want to be more than just an audience that, that talks about it or says amen to it. We want to live this. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. We, we confess we couldn't do it on our own. Thank you, Father, for giving us leaders who have set before us a mission, a specific mission that we believe is our mission. We pledge ourselves today to love you and to love our neighbors and to do our best to live this life you've given us to the full. Forgive us for just fumbling along. Forgive us for forgetting you. Forgive us for thinking it's about us instead of you. We commit. We commit to loving you first, to loving our neighbor second, and living life to the full. Please, Father, help us do that well. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. We're going to sing a song now of invitation. And if you want to be one of those that we put to death today, not really, all right? But yeah, really where you give up your life so that he can, he can take over your life and live it through you, we want to invite you to do that. We are going to have those shepherds that Donnie talked about at the front and some at the back. And so would you make your way there? If you want to be baptized, come find me, and we'll get that handled today. But, but let me say this. If you, you are on your, in your own struggle with the enemy, why would you sit there and not let one of these shepherds put their arms around you and say in the name of Jesus Christ, we've come to fight God, help us do it. Why would you do that?
We're going to sing this song, and if we can help you in any way, you come.